Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm William Friedman, and today we're studying Ketubot 42. Today's Daf begins a new chapter, which nevertheless follows closely on the last one. Yesterday, we spoke about the last Mishnah of the previous chapter, which was about whether someone who confesses to a crime that incurs a fine must pay that fine. There, we focused on the crime of theft, where the difference between paying the principal, i.e. the value of the stolen object itself, and the additional penalty was clear. But the Mishnah applies this to the fine for the seducer or rapist as well. It classifies embarrassment, boshet, indignity, pagam, and, in the case of rape, pain, tsar, as the principal here. And the fine, well, that remains the fine. The opening Mishnah of chapter 4 deals with the question of who receives these payments. The sugya we're going to look at today deals with the classification of the fine after the court case has been concluded. Yesterday, we saw that someone who confesses to a crime before standing trial needn't pay the additional penalty, for reasons we discussed then. Our daf cites Mishnah Shavuot 5.4. That Mishnah wonders about a related scenario. This is near the top of 42a. Tnan hatam. We learned over there, i.e. in a different place in the Mishnah. What if somebody says, Anasta ufitita et biti? A father says to the person, the man he's accusing of having seduced or raped his daughter, you did it. Vehu, meaning the accusee, Omer, says, Lo anasti velo pititi. I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do that which you are accusing me of. And the father replies, ani. Okay, so swear that you didn't do it. In other words, don't just stand there and deny it, but you should take a legally, a legally uh, binding oath that you didn't do it. Ve'amar, and so the person who's being accused says, Amen. Indeed, I swear that I didn't do it. But what happens afterwards? Acharkach, hodeh, Chayav. So afterwards, the person, the accusee, says, actually, you know what? In fact, I was lying. I violated my oath. I swore to something that was untrue. And in fact, I committed the act that you accused me of. In that case, according to the majority opinion of this Mishnah, the accusee is Chayav. Now, Chayav here refers to a special penalty given to somebody who swears falsely to something. So he's obligated for that penalty, but implied in this is that he's also obligated for all the other penalties resulting from the crime. That's the majority opinion. Rabbi Shimon, however, has a different take. Rabbi Shimon Poter, She'enu Mishalem Kanas al Rabbi Shimon says no. In fact, he's exempt from the punishment for having lied about this oath. Why? Because someone does not pay a fine based on a confession. 
Now that was the principle of the Mishnah that we saw last time. However, Rabbi Shimon is extending that logic. And Rabbi Shimon is saying, actually, not only does somebody not pay the fine if the person confesses, but even if the person swears falsely and then confesses, Nevertheless, they are still exempt from that fine, and not only are they exempt from that fine, but they're also exempt from the penalty for having sworn falsely. So he's basically understanding the idea of fine and the exemption of a confessor from having to pay a fine very, very broadly. The sages have a ready reply, though. Amrulo, they say back to him, okay, okay, that's not in the Mishnah, but we understand. Even though someone does not, someone who confesses does not pay a fine based on their confession, such a person, of course, would still need to pay boshet, the embarrassment, and pgam, that indignity or that disgrace, by the fact that he confessed. Um, it seems like the sages are saying, and therefore, the person would also have to pay for having violated his oath because the there is something in the initial crime that was classified not as a fine, but as mamon, as the actual principle, quote-unquote, that was violated. So that's the comparable Mishnah over there. The Amaraim on Ardaf now introduce a very, very similar case, but they add a wrinkle to it. So Abaye asks Rabbah, someone who says to his fellow, Anasta Ufitita et Biti, same setup, right? You did it. You seduced or you raped my daughter. And I took you to court. And you became obligated to me money, right? In other words, he's laying it out, presumably for. Um, for the collector, right? He comes to collect the money that the court has awarded him, and the person is denying it, and he says, excuse me, you did this, and I took you to court, and they judged you guilty. And then the person says back, Vahu Omer, the accusee, the, the accusee um, replies, Lo anasti, velo pititi, I didn't do it. Velo hamati bedin, and you didn't take me to court. Velo nitrayavti. And I don't know you anything, right? In fact, what's going on here is that this person is denying the whole thing. Never happened, right? Um, and presumably in an era in which there were not uh, instant, uh, there were not reliable records necessarily, um, and there certainly wasn't video evidence. You couldn't go to YouTube or you couldn't read the New York Times and find out about this. Maybe the person even has moved to a different town before he paid the the. Um, the fine that was levied against him, and the father is coming to collect in this new place where they don't have any evidence that the that the uh, trial had taken place. So now it's just the father's word against the accusee's word. So in this case, Vinishba, he then swears his denial, and then later on, Vehodeh, later on he actually admits, yeah, in fact, I was lying. According to Rabbi Shimon, what would the ruling be? Le Rabbi Shimon Mai. Right, because for the sages who said, remember the majority opinion was, no, look, in a case in which the the um, the person swore falsely, right, we impose him having to pay if he subsequently confesses, then this case would be no different from that case. But Rabbi Shimon, maybe something has happened once there had been a trial. 
And that's exactly what the Gemara suggests. The Gemara says, right? Since he stood in court, right? He stood in, in judgment. He received a verdict against him. The initial fine, right? What was initially classed as a fine, once it is levied against him by the court as him having to pay it, Mamona Havai, it actually turns into Mamon, right? It basically becomes like principal, and he has to pay it. And obviously, then, if he lies about it and subsequently confesses to having lied, he would also have to bring the sacrifice associated with violating an oath, right? Swearing falsely. That's possibility number one. Possibility number two. Dilma af Maybe, actually, it works differently. That even though he went through court, it still retains its status of knas, right? It still retains its status as being essentially a fine. And so Rabbi Shimon, who's very down on paying fines in any time there's a confession anywhere in the chain, maybe he would think that actually having a court case wouldn't have affected that ruling at all. So the Gemara responds, or Rabbah responds to Abaye. Amarle, he says back to him, Mamona Havai. No, in fact, it is considered mamon according to Rabbi Shimon. And in fact, he's obligated to bring the the sacrifice for having uh, sworn falsely. And then obviously he also has to pay all the other uh, monetary fines associated with that case. So what's going on here? Well, let's recall the idea we mentioned yesterday about fines serving as deterrents. And the reason that we said yesterday was that waiving a fine in the case of a confession was designed to incentivize confessions, right? We're weighing deterrent against incentivizing people to confess. But once there's been a trial, then that goal is totally superfluous. So of course, even Rebbe Shimon, who perhaps, maybe, he's holding out hope that even someone who lies under an interpersonal oath like this one might eventually confess if the carrot were sweet enough, right? Maybe you could say, well, if we don't impose the, the korban, the sacrifice that he would have to pay for swearing falsely, maybe that would incentivize him to stop lying, right? Apparently, according to Rabbah, at least, even Rabbi Shimon would say, no, 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 post-trial, we're done with all of that incentiv- incentivizing and deterrent, and he just has to pay the verdict that was delivered against him. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.